Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. I have a tremendously special guest, guy I've been following for a long time. It is Robbie the Fire Bernstein. What's up, brother? Tremendously. I usually don't get a tremendous. I feel extra retarded. This is fun. <laughs> well, you know, as a longtime POTP guy, I, uh, I've been listening to you forever and then run your mouth. And, you know, you're a stand-up comic, libertarian. You know, it's just you're, you're one of my people, man. Oh, I'm thrilled to hear that. How how many years you've been listening to Part of the Problem for? I don't know, man. Four, three. Wow, you're, you're OG. You you've been you've been cooking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just such a huge fan. I honestly, I don't think I would have started this show if it weren't for um, the success of Dave's career. Because, uh, you know, I've been a libertarian for since I was in high school, so 20 plus years. But I I really never thought that there was a path for uh, success talking about it, you know, and, and he kind of demonstrated, uh, obviously with the, the Rogan bump, um, that you can find a path to actually do something with this and, and reach a lot of people. So it's, I think he's been an inspiration as well as you for a lot of people. So it's been, it's, it's an honor to talk to you, I guess I'm saying. Well, I hope everyone that, uh, felt inspired by Dave ends up making as much money as he does. And that <laughs> not, he didn't just lead a whole bunch of people to, uh, <laughs> But either way, we all learn, we get better, we spread the message. So, you know, it's not, I don't really make money from podcasting either. It's a, it's a passion. And I, I, I certainly hope to make those dollars at some point, but you know, even if, uh, even if we just lose money trying, at least we're spreading a good message. <laughs> well, I'm in a very advantageous position in that I was a mortgage broker for uh, a long time and uh, entrepreneur. So I've already made my wealth and now I'm just doing uh, doing god's work trying to trying to get the message out there to save a few lives if i can um do you still I, mortgage broke yeah yeah I, I still have my company i'm i'm actually selling everything and uh and getting out of california in about six months so. texas where are you headed probably yeah i'm probably going to be one of those i best, really uh i gotta get on the road i gotta get on the road and see some other states um but i'm really curious i was looking at land in kentucky last night yeah i, I don't know that but like 44 grand you can buy yourself like 100 acres just the idea <laughs> like i'd just rather have 100 acres of land than like 50 grand not that i have 50 grand of cash but i'm just saying i almost just want to start loading up on land i honestly it may not be a bad idea with what uh bill gates has been doing apparently he's the the number one farmland owner in america right now which is horrifying given his uh mit also apparently um they're I, either MIT or Harvard actually bought up a lot of the water reserves in California. So it's funny that while, you know, they tell us to be in the stock market and they tell us currency is fine. Some of the smartest players are diversifying their portfolio. And I'm talking out of my ass. I don't really follow finance, <laughs> but just between Bill Gates and what I heard about Harvard, these people are fucking, they're buying up the land, you know, they know it's coming. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and it's actually a, as, as a finance guy, I can confirm, you know, when, when the big money sees um, societal collapse coming, they they oftentimes will shift towards, uh, you know, food production and things of that nature. So I think that uh, that he's probably reading the writing on the wall. And if not, um, 
just analyzing it and responding, perhaps bringing it about if you want to be really nefarious about it. I, I don't I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, but regardless, we should pay attention to their behaviors because it tells us a lot, you know? So I, on that note, and not to hijack your show, but in, if you're saying no, please, you're a finance it. guy, I got questions. Yeah, and- let's do it. I'm watching what's going on. I'm actually reading uh, Rothbard's book, What What Government Has Done With Our Money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm like way behind the, the rest of the audience uh, in terms of reading some of the classic literature. And I, I'm more into current events. So like, I, you know, I read the newspaper on a daily basis, but I really struggle with these books. But every time I read one of these books, I just start getting so nervous about money because this book he's talking about, have you read the, um, what government has done I, with our money? I actually have not read that one. I'm, I'm only 30 pages in, but he's talking about it at the origins, like, you know, of the country, every single one of the banks that was made and how quickly it fell under because basically they overexpanded, but they were only leveraging back there, like, you know, two, 2.3 X, you know, now yeah. we're at like 90 X in terms of the capital comes in. There's only like a 10% capital requirement. Yep. And then, you know, Sometimes they less. talk about, yeah. And then they keep talking about the failures of when they created the first national bank and the state banks. And like, you start seeing at the origins of money in our country, the banking and fractional reserve banking didn't work. Right. And then you look at what the fuck we're doing now, where we passed what it was like last year, we passed like $3 trillion. And then Biden comes along with another 1.9. And he yep. says, that's not enough. And that's just going to be for the next two months. Like, how the fuck does this not end in some sort of super inflation and soon? And yeah. I hope it doesn't happen, but it feels like we're, we're getting ready for a blind side. Oh, I, I agree. I, the, the problem that I've had is that because I've known this for so long, because, you know, I read End the Fed by Ron Paul a long time ago. And, um, you know, I've, I've been way early on my, my doom saying, so I try not to be too hyperbolic, but I'll just to put it mildly, uh, I am aggressively shifting my assets into you know, either crypto, physical metals, things of that nature. I, I really, and, and real estate for that matter, if it weren't for the fact that real estate was so predicated on, on hyper low interest rates that are uh, manipulated, I think that real estate would be a great investment as it stands today. I, I don't think so. I think we're going to have a deflationary collapse first. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you, man. It's, it's. But that the deflationary collapse you're talking about is like your California housing market, your residential housing markets, um, not necessarily the land, the farmable land grab, because well, I don't think random Kentucky land has appreciated because of low interest rates. Well, that it maybe I, I'd have to yeah. look at that market to know for sure. But um, I will say this in any real estate that's bought with finance is inflated right now because right the biggest one by the best proof of this. And once again, talking out of my ass, but commercial real estate. Yes. And that's because they made so much money available um, to your, like you start realizing the credit asset bubbles that when they make the financing available, you just drive up prices. Like the reason why, your storefront price can be so high is because they managed to package together that shit into these commercial real estate loans. And Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden that just becomes the math on operating a storefront is that you got to take out blank loan and it's fucking expensive as all hell. And those prices wouldn't be there if that capital wasn't there to give you those loans. It would just be a different market. Yeah. Well, well not, not only that, but you know, with the lockdowns, they, they destroyed, um, commercial businesses to a large extent, all, all the mom and pops are gone. So you have all these um, basically either vacant storefronts or you have businesses that are only surviving based off of PPP loans and things of that nature. And I just, I just think that there is a tsunami of dead businesses and dead, you know, real estate that once housed those businesses, that's going to hit the market once the foreclosure and eviction moratoriums are lift, lifted. 
And, and that's the one thing I don't even think I've heard you or Dave talk about it on the show. Um, that's the one thing that people don't know about that maybe they're just not privy to is that the government has prevented all foreclosures and evictions for the past year. And they, and they're talking about having it prevented for the remainder of this year. And, and once that dam breaks and because you have to assume that the banks aren't going to allow them to never let them foreclose again. Um, when that happens, you, you should have a repeat of 09 where you have this the, huge deluge of uh, foreclosed inventory that hits. I might be saying something totally asinine right now, but have you ever read uh, The Creature from Jekyll's Island? I did actually, a long time ago. So one of the things that I found most interesting about that book was they talk about the banks. It's basically fake money out, real money in. Mm. Because when they make a loan to you, that loan doesn't, that money doesn't really exist. It's fractional reserve banking. Right. They're handing you money that doesn't exist. The interest payments that you make are real. They want as much debt out in the system as possible. And they don't want that debt coming back in because the interest payments are real. The debt's fake, right? If I, if I took out a $100 million loan from a bank tomorrow, they don't have $100 million that they're really lending to me. But every interest payment I make, that's real money to them. If two days later I go, oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to give you back this $100 million. I'm not really helping the bank. No. The bank would rather that $100 million sits out there. It could be you got to realize the banks are on the hook for all of these foreclosures. Maybe they don't really want these things to foreclose. Well, that, um, that, that's true. Um, but I, I, don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd view it exactly like that because while they aren't actually lending you the money, they are borrowing it themselves from the Federal Reserve Bank window you know it, like right. they, they get the money even cheaper than we get it and then they lend it out to us so um when they get the money back they send it back to the fed and so they're they're essentially doing they're running the same game you know the the liar loans were back in 08 or, or 07 when people had no income no assets and they were able to borrow as much as they wanted it's really the same concept they're doing the same thing it's a house of cards but it's like it's multi-leveled and multi-tiered and people don't really realize that but at the end of the day regardless of you know the, the valuelessness of our money. Um, when we send it to them, that that's fiat dollars too. So like, that's not real money in any real sense either. So it's all kind of a game that's, that's doomed for failure. So you think it's uh, a matter of when. So uh, I, other than, I guess, working in commercial real estate, what's, what's like your finance background? Uh, well, I'm a, I mean, licensed mortgage broker, um, went to business school, uh, but I've just been, I've, I've brokered over a hundred million dollars in, in private money capital. So I'm like, I'm like one of the last remaining people that actually does lending of real people's money to real people, right. borrowers, um, where we actually hold the debt. So, so um, you're sitting down, you're doing real math. I get it. Um, yeah. well, and I'm, and I'm actually taking the risk on where like, if the borrower doesn't perform my lenders, I care about, these are actual right. like people and friends of mine and retirees and things like that completely disconnected um, from the banking structure where they don't give a fuck what happens. You know, it's like, I actually care what happens to these people's money. And this is how it's supposed to work. I charge a higher interest rate. I, I charge higher fees, but I actually care. I'm also on the hook if anything blows up. So it's, it's really what banking was supposed to be. And that's why I always get bothered when I'll hear this, like this tinge of anti-banking sentiment when it comes to the libertarian realm, even, you know, people will be like, ah, oh, fuck these capitalist assholes. And I'm like, whoa, aren't we pro-capitalism? We're just against the, the bullshit system that is the Federal Reserve, which kind of uh, tr trickles down with this cancerous effect of making like all of our economy uh, 
bullshit essentially right no banking's great it gets money from the people that saved it to the people that can spend it in a good way in an and ideal way one yeah. wins yeah. yeah and then the savers can actually earn interest on their money whereas they don't necessarily want to go do all the labor of doing a it's perfect exactly the problem and it's great if you got a small town guy who fucking cares the mm -hmm. problem is that they created at federal deposit insurance what came with all sorts of banking regulations so you know, a guy like you can't, as good as you might be at sitting there and evaluating that, hey, this is a good person to give money to. And you might be the most secure place for me with money to go store it. Mm -hmm. Sadly, the government won't let you just go, hey, here's my track record. Let me open a bank. No, not at all. Yeah. And and honestly, even if they were to allow me, I couldn't possibly compete because I can't get the capital cheap enough to compete with a bank who is lending out 30-year money at 2.8% interest rate. I mean, it's psychotic. No no investor would ever lend out their money at 2.75, 2.8% for 30 years. It's a, it's a fucking joke. Like You'd have to be crazy to do that. So the only way you can do it is to have the Federal Reserve giving them money for free. And then they turn around, they lend it out for a couple percent. I mean, so it's, it's crazy. What kind of house of cards are you really envisioning, I guess, when the eviction moratorium, is that the right word? Yes. When that goes away. So tell me, lay out the whole scenario for me, because honestly, this is not being talked about anywhere. I mean, I read the news every day and maybe Barron's or some other financial like articles are kind of getting into it, but yeah. I have not seen a lot of coverage on this. Well, I, I would analogize it to the same kind of um, lack of coverage or lack of understanding when it came to lending in 08 is that people didn't understand how they were packaging up all the mortgages. They were selling them off. They were getting um, Moody's and these other companies to stamp them with high quality debt when in fact they weren't. And then they were selling them off to hedge funds and things of that nature and, and to retirees. It's, it's really a similar thing. I mean, it, all those all those practices still exist to some extent. They, they may have been tamped down a little bit because of regulations and whatnot, but they still exist to a large extent. But then on top of that, now, instead of when you have a borrower who can't perform, instead of just having a foreclosure process that takes six months, and then the bank takes the house back and then they sell it onto the market. Now you have this glut of inventory of all these foreclosures. We have, we have over 12 million uh, real estate loans that are in default right now. And none of them are being foreclosed because it's illegal to do so. You can. Are they? Have they been? Uh, has the commercial real estate been packaged together the same way that the subprime mortgages were packaged together? Oh yeah, sure, yeah. Um, and is that also being held as, I guess, collateral? Mm -hmm. In like, because the subprime mortgages were being treated almost. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but they were being treated as collateral to basically finance other operations, similar to almost owning government bonds. It was It was being treated like. Really, which essentially I I think no, what right. that means is that if a bank's holding a certain amount of subprime mortgages, they can still lend money out against that, like fractional reserve banking, because it was considered like well, a actually, crime. It, it's a little yeah. bit different. It's a little bit different because they would sell off that book of of mortgages entirely, and they would right. get that capital, and then they would redeploy it into the market. So. They, they wouldn't even be holding that. But debt someone was holding it. And I think they were able to leverage holding it like as if it was bonds. But now I'm getting lost in my no, no, no. That's financial true. knowledge. No, that's yeah. true. Uh, it, I Honestly, I'd have to go back and, and read up a little bit. It's been a decade since I was really on the pulse. So of that, you think, but. OK, so here's what's interesting. So people almost have to the same. This is where you start exploring financial instruments. And for people listening, this is what. OK, 
like look at what just happens to that hedge fund because they got caught in the short squeeze, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a similar thing here where bonds, right? They're, you might have a value of a bond right now and let's just say it's still at $100. It was, it was created at $100 and it's valued at $100. But now all of a sudden some of the assets tied to it starts to fail. That thing might fall to $10 because it's a financial instrument based on these things. So even if just one house goes under, all of a sudden like that bond might be considered, I, I don't know if this is the proper ter terminology, default, whatever the fuck it is, yeah. it's a derivative product based on these mortgages. So if mortgages start to fail, that bond is considered, I don't know, negligible, a failure, defaulted. I don't know what the fuck it's called, yeah. but you're going to look at a significant reduction in an asset. And if there's further assets that are tied to it because they expand the money supply, like based off of these assets being considered still good, then yeah, I guess we'd be looking at quite, or now the question is, is there that much commercial, um, Debt? mortgage that's been bundled together in debt as there was for the residential. Uh, I couldn't tell you if it's if it's comparable or if it's more. There's a chance it's more because obviously commercial real estate is very expensive because it's usually in downtown areas where real estate right. is more expensive. Uh, but there's less of it. So like, I don't know, I'd have to look at those numbers. But now, for, for a guy who doesn't who claims to not understand finance, you just laid it out pretty damn well. <laughs> you're, you're exactly right. I mean, the derivatives is is a product that still exists. It's still bundled up into insurance companies that sell it off. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the disaster is it's a ticking time bomb that, that exploded in 09 and then was reset and is now about to explode again. Right now, no offense to you or I, but this conversation should not be taking place here. Literally. I read the newspaper every single day. I follow the news more than anyone. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, if what we're describing because you and I are somewhat missing the size and scope here and that you and I both admitted that we don't know if yep. the size of the commercial market is as large as the residential market. Those figures shouldn't be that hard to find. Oh, no, and there should be people. Easy. This should be front page of the Wall Street Journal. Are we headed for a depression? Uh, <laughs> foreclosures are coming due. Are these assets going to default? And what kind of plan? making now because they already have interest rates at zero and they've already printed X amount of paper and bailed out with the, You're right. uh, with the SVPs and all this other bullshit they've been doing. Do we even have the ability to finance a bailout for this? No, These we, are conversations we should be having now. I, I, I agree with you. And, and if, if they had any semblance of an Austrian education, they probably would be doing that. But uh, you got to keep in mind too, their, their job is not to warn the public. I mean, they're, they run cover essentially for the the big banks and the hedge funds and the, the stockbrokers and things of that nature. So I don't believe that they have any incentive whatsoever to, to warn their audience, much less do they have the knowledge base to do so, which is why I started my show is to give my small audience, um, you know, advanced notice so that they can plan accordingly because it's, it's a, it's a vitally needed area of expertise. And I happen to be truly an expert in this in this particular so what's the timetable unless and it, here's the biggest problem just to, to let people know if you're listening to this and you want to make investment decisions based off what we're saying firstly i'm being honest i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about this is all theoretical to me and i am bullshitting <laughs> you have a problem here that even if you sit down and you go hey i see that this this bill is coming due it's really hard to time this stuff and play against the fed because who knows when, like all of a sudden, it, I, like 
if you were to say, Hey, I see that all this is coming due in May. And so I want to short the market in May because I know it's all coming due and there's going to be a problem in May. Right. There's a good chance they pass a law that it gets extended till June and that the Fed does something like, so You're it's exactly really right. hard to time exactly when this collapse. And, yep. and then I've had this problem where, you know, for years I was like, I, I mean, I'm not in the stock market at all. I don't want to be there. Um, I've been out of it for uh, years now because I, I just think basically since you've had QE, this is all false profits. Everything, everything's outside of it. It's like, I, I could look at an S and P chart right now and I could tell you it, it should be coming back down to, I don't know the number, but I could just look at it and tell you where that should be. And that it's right. all, you know, so I don't want to touch that shit. And it's funny, everyone, all the, even the reporting now is, Hey, there's inflation. Everyone knows that there's a bubble, but everyone's staying in. And their big thing is like, you know, you can't time it. And you know, as long as you don't sell, it's not realized losses. Right. But with all that being said, like, I'm, I'm just kind of, I mean, listen, I'm not wealthy, but I work. And um, I mean, I, the point is I, everyone wants to save what they have. If you got five yeah. grand in savings, you want to save that. Yes. I just have it sitting in cash because I don't want to invest it. But like, you got to realize, is it safe as cash? I, I don't, probably not. I, I honestly, I think it is right now. And I know that yeah. sounds, that sounds very, very crazy to uh, even the Austrians because they're going to be like, well, what about inflation? Well, you're right. And over the long term, I think holding cash is, a, is an awful idea. Um, but in the interim, whenever they allow this deluge of foreclosures and evictions to happen, which I believe they have to allow at some point, unless we're going to just go into a straight up, you know, communist economy moving forward, um, then you're going to have a, a major, this is, this is the great reset that they don't talk about. The great reset will be a debt apocalypse. And, and you have to have that debt reset to basically proceed forward. Because as far as I'm concerned, you'll never have four, five, 6% GDP growth in America again until you deal with this debt issue because we are we are fucking filled with free money and our economy still sucks and and you're just never going to get out of that because uh, I forget what the name of the you know economic term is but essentially at some point the value of debt decreases in terms of what it adds to GDP we are far past that point where like every new Ooh. dollar we add gets you less and less and less GDP growth and that's that's the problem I've said as a joke, and then I want you to expand uh, on the concept, but I've said that, and I didn't have quite the vernacular that you do, um, but I've said that, you know, like sometimes you do a lot of drugs and you get to the point where you're doing it and it's not fun anymore, but like <laughs> yes. you're just doing it. I yeah. feel like that's the US with money that it's not fun anymore. No one here is happy. Everyone's complaining. Everyone's upset. We're yeah. spending more money than ever. And so it would seem to me that this, that the free money, it's not helping. It's not doing whatever it's supposed to do. I'd love to hear you expand on what you just said that I guess the marginal utility yes, of debt go. has gone down would be the yeah. technical term, but how, how exactly does that operate? Well, yeah, the, I mean, you're and just to piggyback on your analogy, the, the U S and the federal reserve are chasing the dragon, you know, like they've done heroin for the past a <laughs> uh, hundred years and they're just like on their death. They're maintaining. Yeah. And they're just taking it so that they don't feel the misery that, that they ought to be feeling to get off the drug. Um, I don't really know how to extrapolate further beyond this, honestly, because it's it's just really as simple as at some point your your debt carry costs become so exorbitant that you cannot continue to grow because you it's like. But that but the problem with that is um, I would think that in order for that statement to be true, 
you would have to see rising interest rates and that your debt is harder to actually. You're right. And we have the opposite where, um, like, look at it from the government's perspective. If you're the government and you're just, let's just say theoretically you're a business and you actually invested in infrastructure, you could make the argument, hey, they're willing to lend us this money for nothing. Let's take it and let's invest it because look, we can get it for nothing and there's returns on it. Now, the problem is they don't actually invest in anything that's going to you know, make us make this a better country in a hundred years. Like there are things that, and I wouldn't listen, they wouldn't be as efficient at these investments as you and I, but theoretically they could lay down a, I don't know, a fucking bridge to China or portal system for travel (laughs) that we would never be able to figure out as a theoretical, they're not making those kind of investments, but from a theoretical, if government's a business, they, it would make sense for them to borrow as much as they could at low interest rates. Why not? Like if they have that access to capital. If if they were getting any productive gains from it, I would agree. Right. So what's interesting, so it's not actually that the financing is the issue. It's that they can't spend it in a way that leads to gains. So that becomes more the question. Why is it that at some levels of debt, they were able to get some, like some gains in terms of how they allocated it, and it, I, the only because, thing I can because th- the because yeah. the debt carry because the debt carry isn't isn't very heavy at that point. The, see, the issue is is like you're right because interest rates are so low. It the logic does apply that yeah, borrowing money when it's cheaper to pay off more expensive debt that totally makes sense because it decreases your debt carry costs. It allows you to lay out more capital for productivity gains or improvements or or you know just fucking helicopter moneying to your your peons so that they go out and they spend it. Um, but ultimately the, the debt can't get much cheaper than it already is right now. I mean, it, you're, they're borrowing at essentially 0%. So like, right. what, how, how do you get cheaper than that? You know, like, that's why negative. I'm saying, that's why I'm saying it's the end game, but if you go negative, then you have other issues where, where you start to see, um, people unwilling to buy your bonds. So do you just monetize it? And if you monetize it, then you end up in the hyperinflationary scenario. You end up being so Weimar question- this is where it's um, into insanity and beyond my comprehension. But <laughs> as a, as a, th- if you look at it from a Ponzi scheme model, right, where they're like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> That's exactly what it is, brother. Well, it is. No, no, I get that. But I'm saying if you're running a Ponzi scheme, you never need to hit your profits, but you always need money in the door, right? So there actually isn't enough capital in the world to back all of the debt that's been created back by US dollars. And now I'm starting to talk about the Euro dollar system. So it's a possibility that there's such a demand for US capital, including US bonds and US cash, that companies, because they need money right now, will pay a negative interest rate for that US bond because they need it in order to back a massive amount of other money that they're going to create against that. Um, And so in the temporary there actually will be demand for negative for for the like people will pay buy your bond at negative interest rate because they need it in order to finance something else and they need it so they got they got no choice they don't have a they, you know what i mean as to well, how that makes sense or works is beyond my comprehension i don't get yeah. it well I, I think you're you're right to an extent but i think that 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 scenario existed in a time really before the adoption of cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin in particular, I think is really, and, and this is the reason I believe that they're going to criminalize ownership of Bitcoin is because- it, I think so too. It presents a direct comp- competition to fiat currency, not just in America, but globally. And the whole game is predicated on all of the central banks racing each other to the bottom. And as long as they all continue to print and borrow, then none of them look 
any better than the other. So once you finally have this fucking currency, 21 million of them that you can buy that appreciates while all the, all the rest go down the drain, I just don't see how you don't see more and more corporate 500 companies shifting their reserves into Bitcoin holdings as that, uh, that one company has done because it's just like, why, why wouldn't you at that point? Um, so I think that's why if, if they don't criminalize it, I think the game will end because they will ultimately have more people exiting fiat currency. Uh, but, but it's, I mean, it's very complicated. I mean, this is, this is huge macroeconomic topic and, it, and it's like, I, I can't possibly tell you exactly how it plays out, but we can, with the knowledge we have, we can kind of analyze it and predict where it might head, you know? Yeah, I'm. Th- that's what makes the crypto investment so interesting is that you're playing against the biggest player. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, it is probably the smartest tool. And right. yes, if everything worked the way it was supposed to, the fact that there's a finite amount means that it would increase in value and become the better currency. But if government tries to shut it down, there's a good chance that it goes to zero. Well, I don't think it'll go to zero because it'll just become black market. Black market. But yeah. but I gotta take still... mine off the Coinbase. I gotta Dude, I gotta clean it and put you, it onto a both. fucking thing. You and me both, brother. We gotta run it through and make sure get it get it hidden for sure. No, I agree. Um, but it, it regardless of what they do, because because it is in effect untraceable if you know what you're doing, there will be a small fraction of society um, that continues on the the cryptocurrency path. So it's like. I, I agree. In the in the short term, I actually predict, along with the deflationary collapse that I that I predict for real estate, I think that you'll also see it in cryptocurrency. This is a very unpopular opinion amongst libertarians. So, uh, but this is my belief as a as a financial guy and and uh, investor for a long time. I really think th- that we're going to see a, a tremendous pullback when the government tries to crack down on it and they make it illegal for say you know publicly traded companies to to hold it. That'll be fucking devastating to the price and and. You know, you'll have. I think that'll be our opportunity as libertarians, as ANCAPs, to buy the fuck out of it. Yep, exactly. Interesting. Now, I you'd have to look at the figures of how much of because they they say a lot that the Bitcoin price um fluctuations are whales, meaning that there's just some a couple players making giant transactions. Yeah. Um, and the biggest argument for Bitcoin is that your institutional players, like your pension funds, aren't there yet, and so. Once the real money comes in, we're going we're going to the moon. If it gets right. adopted by your banks, your pension funds, that's it. It's 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 over. And and that may never come. Right, but now it, to to your point, the question becomes: if it becomes illegal, how many people get spooked out of it? Um, and I think you're right that most people who have purchased it is not your hardcore libertarian mm-hmm. who's thinking like, I don't care if this thing's illegal, I'm buying, I'm owning it. Right. Uh, so I think you're right. That would probably devastate the price. Yeah, it, just in the short term. I mean, I, you got to keep in mind too. Just because they make it illegal in America doesn't mean that it'll be yeah, it's global Ill- illegal yeah. globally. So you'll have certain countries that that you know, even if they make it illegal, like if you're in fucking Venezuela and your whatever they use is going down in value by a hundred percent every year, you're gonna be like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna take my chances with being a criminal because I'm gonna starve otherwise. So I think as the debt uh, bomb kind of trickles and, and explodes in different areas across the globe, you'll see a black market adoption of, of Bitcoin, regardless of what uh, the government tries to do to regulate it. So uh, I'm, I'm a long-term believer in it. I'm, I'm in the short term. I'm very nervous about these prices, especially with it creeping back up towards 40,000 again today. I think that, that, that it's probably a, a mistake in the short term, but if you're a long-term holder, then fuck it, you know, whatever. It's, it's not much worse than holding dollars. So I got, you know, 
unfortunately, I didn't have a handle on my finances. And by that, my accountant wasn't quite telling me what I needed for taxes. And so I was really keeping everything in cash and reluctant to put it anywhere. I, at looking at the Bitcoin chart, like this is, I'm saying like a year ago, I was like, this thing's a buy under eight. That was just my feeling Me too. from looking at the chart. I was like, if this thing's under eight, it's a buy. When it went down to five, I was like, all right, I don't care that I don't really know what I need to have in cash. I got to buy some. And I think I bought $3,500 worth. Now, if I had had a better feel for me, by the way, that, that means that's the largest single. I mean, I, dude, I don't make a lot of money. That's the largest single investment I've made now in the last three years. And and it was also the best one. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I mean, you could not have uh, like, yeah. I mean, other than outside of having bought GameStop two weeks ago, <laughs> I, I Wait, well, that should have ended already. So don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah. There aren't too many things that have shown that kind of return. My feeling now, like I, I, I don't feel like I, all right. There's one way to do it, which is, hey, you make blank amount of money every month. And so I'm just putting blank amount into gold, Bitcoin, silver every month. And they, like, it doesn't matter where the price is. Yeah. I'm treating that as currency. Cost averaging. That's fine. Yeah. I get that strategy. For me at this point, I feel like I, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm keeping what I bought in Bitcoin on the table. And if it goes through the moon, then like, at least I'm in on that and I'm not going to end up broke without currency. And then, you know, I'll have to adopt like everyone else, right. but I'm personally... It, it just seems like such a wild speculative thing. And while I don't like cash, I'm not looking at Bitcoin at 40K and going, hey, I think that this is going to be a better store of value over the next three years. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that anyone who's a true believer like I am in, in Bitcoin in particular, um, I think it's a mistake not to hold some, you know? So like, I'm not advising people to get out of Bitcoin. I'm just saying that I think that there no, will No, I'm be- not selling out. I'm not saying like, hey, I'm going to, like, same as you. I'm not saying, hey, I'm going to take my profits. I'm just like, luckily I put that in and that's going to be my holding. Exactly. Yeah, no, that, yeah. and that's that's all I'm saying is like, I, I recommend essentially like, if you if you already have a decent amount, perhaps don't go all in beyond that in this junction, because I think that you'll have- a, a lower entry point opportunity probably in the next 12 to 24 months. Um, maybe, maybe not though. So if I'm wrong, I don't want you to have sold everything and then have it fucking go to a hundred thousand and hate my guts. Um, so don't do that, you know, but, but keep, uh, it's, it's an investing term called keeping your powder dry. You want to have some cash to buy depreciated assets when, when the, when the whole fucking world melts down, because if you don't, you're going to be really upset about that because that's the best opportunity to make wealth in your life. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for too. Is uh, I got my eye on some stocks I really want to buy. Exactly. Um, and if I, if I, the market does reset, which I hope for, there's definitely and like they're they're not great. Like I want to buy Square. I want to buy Visa. They're, those are both just payment processors that I think mm-hmm. do really well. Um, I owned what, what else is on like uh, I I consider like you're just your your Amazons and your Googles. We're fucking home run hitters, but like, yeah. I'm not buying it at these fucking prices. I'm just well, not that, that, and uh, they're evil. So it's well, tough. that's true too, but <laughs> at least then like you're in on it, you know, it's no, like I, Goldman I, Sachs. You can hate them all you want, or you I can agree. go buy the stock and go, well, at least, you know, fuck them, but at least I'm in on the party. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and honestly, prior to them, them taking the path of like spying on people and selling their information to the CIA, I didn't much care, you know, cause like I'm, I'm pro capitalism. Like if you're right. the company out there god bless i'd like to own some of your stock but when you start to get in bed then it then it be, starts to feel really dirty like you're investing in military industrial complex like boeing or some shit i'm just like right i can't you know as much as i'm a greedy filthy capitalist i still 
struggle to have. Yeah, I guess that's true. Know. I wouldn't want it if, if there was literally American War Corp and right. I thought they were going to war, I wouldn't buy that because yeah. do I really want the profits of, hey, some kid just got murdered somewhere. Yeah, well, that, that, and that, that's, that's how that's how I view Amazon with their Alexa and shit. You, you know, like they're they're selling our data in mass to the NSA. As far as I'm concerned, I don't know if I have evidence that I could show. Do you also, it. Uh, do you also not shop on Amazon for that reason? I, I do it as little as possible, but I, I'd okay. be lying if I said I don't ever. I do. Right. My, you know, it's <laughs> funny. My preference is also not to shop on Amazon. Uh, but the other day, I, I you know, I don't eat healthy and uh, I do go to the gym. That's like my saving grace. It helps me keep my sanity. Yeah. I also get injured a lot. So luckily, I mean, it was funny. I mean, I was just working out like prison style from home for, <laughs> you, you know, you both, man. yeah, probably six months. But then I found out the gyms around here were open and I'm not wearing a mask to work out, but one of the gyms uh, by me that's open has got a pool. So you don't have to wear a mask in the pool. So I've been swimming a couple times a week. Anyways, I'm such a child. I lost my goggles. Right. And then I went, <laughs> I went to swim. And then I'm like, I don't have the goggles. I'm like, fuck, and like bugging out, trying to get back to work. Then I went, dude, I went to Walmart. I'm like, Walmart has everything. Walmart didn't have fucking goggles. Like that was a night. Like I drove all the way to Walmart. No fucking there's no place to buy fucking swim goggles in my town. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have to go to Amazon. I know now. dude. It's crazy. It's and I crazy. hate that shit. Cause most of the time, like if I buy something, I'd rather pay a premium and just be able to get it when I need it. Right. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to have to, even though it's three days delivery, I wanted that shit yesterday. Like if I'm most of the time, like if I'm buying something, that means I like, I needed it. Yeah. 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 yeah and I'm also same, yeah. I, I, I've had shitty purchases, purchases from Amazon also. Cause the rating system is is garbage at this point and i'm not i don't return shit like once it's bought that's it so like i've got a computer i'm just not using like i i would rather i'm telling i'd rather go to a store now like i wasn't always like this but now for the most part i'd rather go to a store and like a small store not like a fucking best buy i'd rather go to a store with the dude who's actually gonna like tell me what i need and then we'll be responsible that if it's not working i can show back up and it'll make it work like i would it's almost like a risk reward ratio i'd rather pay more, but I'm not risking the fact that if it doesn't work, that's like, that's the end of it. Exactly. Like I, I want to go into the store and I want to try out the dildo. I don't want to have it shipped to my house yeah. and find out it's too big for me. Like that's a disaster. Right. I want to be able to put it on my ass in the store, have the guy show me how it works, you know, see if I act it off. And if not, he can clean that, that my shit off his dildo and restock it. It's a him problem. Oh my God. Oh shit. All right. So I now since we're, we're getting to the, the, dark humor aspect of this. I, I listened to Legion of Skanks uh, this morning and they were talking about how much the guys would would uh, need to be paid to sleep with a dude. And then the follow-up question was how much would you need to be paid? Oh, not, for, sorry, not sleep with a dude, but get fucked in the ass by a dude. Uh, how much would it would you have to be paid to get it done to you during the halftime of the Super Bowl on national television? So uh, seeing as seeing as we're probably not as well off as as the, uh, the Legion of Skanks guys, I thought I'd give you that question. It's a tough one. Um, <laughs> Do you want to know their answers first or should I? No. Should I, well, oh, first, I got to say, just conceptually, I'd rather take it in the ass than give it to someone in the ass. Interesting. Because if you're giving it to someone in the ass, like you're more participatory. Wow. And so that to me would almost like bother me uh, more. Well, you, and I, you and I would get along. It, you and I would get along well in prison. But then again, the I opposite. <laughs> I've never... I've never even really uh, experimented with my butthole and I don't really, <laughs> and I get fucking hemorrhoids. So I really don't <laughs> want someone wrecking that thing. That gets uncomfortable. Hey, but we're talking money, bro. How big, Come on. How, how big is the guy's dick and how long is he going to go? I feel like there's some parameters Just I got to know here. Are we slight, talking about slightly, like a, slightly above average. 
Oh God, that makes it sound so much worse. You know, <laughs> slightly below average and a quick comer. You know, I can look the other way, pretend like it never happened. Dude, you get to put you get to put whatever price you want on. He's not he's not packing a a, a foot long heater. He's just a little bit above average. I'll also tell you, I, I know this sounds crazy because I I don't adhere to religion anymore, and I <laughs> I, I, I was also, hoping that you would go the religious route on this. No, and I also take no issue with how anyone wants to live their life. Like it's not it, it it's not my business and I pass no judgments, but right. there, there's something for, I know it's crazy, but it's like any law still for my religious upbringing that I've never broken. I still have like this weird feeling about breaking it. Sure. So there's something about this one. It, it, you couldn't put a price on it. Come on. It, no, it, it's that the fact that it's a lie, like if no one ever heard about it, then you could put a big price tag on it. There's such a different price tag between the public and non-public. Yeah, no, so I agree. To do it privately, it's got to be enough money that you change my like it's got to be enough money that I never have to work again. And so it, at that point, the difference between a hundred and a billion, like a hundred million dollars and a billion, it doesn't matter. It's the price tag of what do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like so it's more in the range of 50 to a hundred where I know, all right, I guess I can put this in blank. Well, even 50 million makes me a little bit scared that I might have to work again. I feel like with a hundred million, Damn, you're not dude. working again. 50 million. You ain't working again. Trust me. 50 million. Cause you can fucking blow it. Think about it. Like you get one hyperinflation a bit. Like you're, you're smart. All right. If you got 50 million tomorrow, what, what are you, I'm buying some residential units. What, what I put $10 million into residential rental properties, 10 million into the S and P. 10 yeah. million into bonds. I no. Ten, I wouldn't I wouldn't put a penny into the stock market. I wouldn't put a penny into bonds. I would put Well, not right now. I maybe not right now, but like, like as a theoretical, I guess that would be Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, um, you, you would need a diversified portfolio, but I, I promise you if you're not a fucking psychopath, you're not going to zero if you got 50 mil. Well, I would I would instantly put away I'm going to say 48 to live off the interest on and with the 2 million I kept I would buy myself a $40,000 Subaru, <laughs> maybe a million dollar house. And, and then I would just be living off the interest from there. I'd be good. Okay. So 50 mil, you'll do it, but only if people never know. Yeah. I don't think it, you throw in the public thing. And then I almost feel like it's maybe not worth it. I don't know. I got to think about yeah, that. See, I'm, you... I'm totally the opposite. Cause at 50 mil, I'll do it at halftime on the Super Bowl, And I'm already fucking rich, dude. Like I, I could retire. <laughs> I could retire right now. 50 there million bucks is 50 million bucks. And we are fucking, if you pay me 50 million bucks, that's just a fact. I don't know. I, because, maybe, because, okay. So maybe my, my I, don't really, I mean, I've done enough things that I'm like, a sh like, I, you know, I'm not, I don't walk around as the most prideful person. <laughs> so maybe the fact that the whole world knows that I took it on the, like, I'll be like, yeah, 50 million bucks. But well, that's what I'm saying. You're, I'm you're telling you, if I'm being honest, it's, it's the religious component, but I don't yeah, understand see, I, why I, don't, I really I don't have, have to, I don't have the religious hold up, but on I don't, so. I don't keep my religion anymore. So I don't know why that's still floating in my brain of like, just sometimes I think I'm like, God really wouldn't like that. You know, <laughs> I, I hear you. Well, you know, honestly, uh, for 50 million, I can buy a new God. Um, no, 50 million bucks. It, my buddies walk up to me and they're like, dude, you fucking got fucked in the ass during the Super Bowl. What was that all about? I, I go, know, but that, that I one, I'd high five bucks. it. Yeah, I got fucking 50 million bucks. 50 million bucks. That's all you got to say yeah. for the rest of your life. So um, privately, no one ever knows. I go 10. I know there that sounds go. I know that sounds low. But in fairness, fucking Big J said he'd do it for 750,000. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Maybe he's being more honest than us. <laughs> he might be. I mean, you got to keep in mind, if the money's actually on the table, you'll do some crazy shit. Yeah, but. 20 to 50 is about the number where it changes your life. You know, oh, dude, 
come on, a t- 10 million changes your life. Yeah, but I'm a nervous person. So it just, I wouldn't do anything <laughs> with it. I literally would just put it in a bank and go about my life like it didn't happen. I know that makes me weird, but <laughs> no, it's fine, dude. It's fine. <laughs> I did. I did not expect us to get so moral on this on this topic, but I did want to ask you because I don't actually know the backstory. And for fans of part of the problem, I would like to uh, just get a brief rundown of on how you ended up as the guest host on it because I don't actually even know. Oh well, I know Dave uh, from doing comedy for a long time, um, right. way way long long before I was on the show, um, and I was not like. A, I mean, even when I started the show, I was not nearly as much of a libertarian as he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like years ago, you know, because I, I had a bit of a finance background, I was really interested in these topics. And I certainly wasn't like traditional liberal or conservative. And he even gave me some Rothbard books. Um, we once really clicked because I was just reading The Great Deformation, uh, mm-hmm. which is Stockman's book. And it was funny because Dave's like such a smarty pants. And I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to show Dave, look at this book I'm reading. He's like, I already read this. And I was like, you fucking kidding me? How did he already read this one? Like, I thought I was totally out nerding and smarting him on this one, but he, he had literally already read it, which shocked me. It took me like a year to get through that thing. And I was like, look at this book I'm reading. And then, and also he was like surprised that I was reading that or interested in that. Um, flash forward, you know, three years later, four years later. And me and Dave were like friends. We hung out, you know, pretty frequently did shows and definitely shot the shit on these topics. Um, And it's almost a thrill to do the show in that way because I don't don't see him as much. And he's he's pretty fun to, you know, that's why we all listen to the show. He's so knowledgeable and he adds so much perspective. For sure. You're still Um, in New York, right? And he's he moved. Well, he moved to he moved to Jersey. But anyways, I started doing uh, the ad sales over at Gas um, and the producer bounce, they, 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 they asked me if I wanted to produce the show. So I started off as the producer in like somewhat second mic. And then over time, I, I, I really only did the, listen, we've all taken the shitty intern job because you want a different job. Right. I was only doing the back end production work because I wanted to be involved with the show. Um, and then over time, I kind of got upgraded to co-host, which is, you know, what I do now. But I probably did the, I, I was the producer on that thing year year and a half something like that yeah that's awesome um are you still uh is is comedy dead right now or is there still a option um so i was doing the like you know it's funny so when when it first when we first stopped getting up regularly i was like really concerned about it man was i being disciplined and i i got a lot of i wrote a bunch of scripts like i wrote like five or six I, i went through like my whole archive of stuff that i was working on i was like I'm going to take this as an opportunity, uh, two of which got turned into uh, like these scripted podcasts, which are going to be coming out soon, which I'm really excited about, but Very I'll cool. plug that down the line. It's also sleeper, sleeper, little libertarian narrative in, in those, uh, cause they're just like comedy, whatever I'm fucking blabbering here. So <laughs> for a while, wasn't doing much stand up. I tried setting up shows on the road and I did a couple of them, um, which were fun. And then I did an end of year project. You guys can check it out. It was uh, run your mouth, uh, end of year, quit watering the stupid tree. I did like an end of year recap, which I was working on. Uh, since then, I haven't really been doing much stand up. I'm writing stuff every morning and um, I'm starting to learn the craft. It's interesting because my style was more to play around with it on stage. Yeah, now yeah. I'm becoming way more disciplined. I spend about an hour every morning just purely writing stand up and I'm hoping then when I get back to it, my writing's going to work. But believe me, I've written shit where I'm like, this is gold. And the audience is like, nope. <laughs> uh, which is why I guess I've in the past not been so meticulous on the writing. Cause at the end of the day, 
you gotta yeah. you gotta have to craft it with it's not the same audience but like you gotta craft it's a relationship with the audience in terms of the crafting For so sure. that was a long fucking blabber answer short answer i think in the city people are getting up and they figured it out um, I've gotten a little bit lazy, which is crazy for me, dude. I used to go to sleep every night, two in the morning. And the idea of not getting up one night would drive me nuts. And at the beginning of this thing, like, you know, it's driving me nuts now. I'm, and, and I've never been a person who stayed at home at night. Like this has been an adjustment, you know? Yeah. Uh, so at the moment, I, I guess a little bit defeated They that like, it's a full year later and I'm almost just used to like, I couldn't even conceptualize. How do you people be home at 8 p.m.? What the fuck do you do? Like, I need to do <laughs> you, shit. You watch like, TV, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't like watching TV. Like, I don't like it for a while. I took Netflix on my computer, but for like a while, I was doing that where I was like binging. I'm like, man, I'm getting lazy. Like, yeah. how do people like, this is not for me. This is not like, I can do it. Believe me, I was a potted for a long fucking time. Like, I can, <laughs> I, I can, you know, smoke, you know, a quarter a week and do nothing. But it's like not what I'm trying to do now as an adult. Right, uh, right. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not doing enough stand-up. Hopefully, maybe uh, when the weather gets nice, I'll start trying to grind with the backyard shows. And I feel like I'm not that far away from building enough audience where I can just start lining up my own shows, um, yeah, which, yeah. So hopefully uh, hopefully this summer, I might like do a road trip and just line up as many of my own shows as I can. We'll see. Well, that's that's great. I, yeah. I my, my theory or my thesis is that because of the political correctness, you know, woke takeover of society, we're seeing more and more stand-up comics be kind of a, a libertarian mouthpiece, even if they don't intend to be. Like Jimmy Dore is very popular amongst our ilk. Um, obviously Tim Dillon. Like these people are not uh, fiscally conservative by any stretch of the imagination, but because they tell the truth and because they're willing to say fucked up things and say things that are not allowed to be said in this current environment... Uh, including obviously you and Dave. Uh, I think that like comedians are almost being sucked into the political realm and not always intentionally. Some of these guys have no interest in being in the political realm, but like Tim Dillon's a perfect example. He's just unbelievably funny, but his comedy definitely toes the line with politics oftentimes. Do you think that that, that I'm analyzing that correctly? Yeah, I think uh, even for me, I feel like that's a, a little bit of a... Pro I, I think part of... I was listening to these comics talk about start getting more political on podcasts when I was more junior in comedy. And personally, I didn't like that they were so uninformed because like, I don't want to listen to you guys. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but right. it seemed like they wanted to talk about it. There was a demand for it. And that's part of why I started reading more was just because I feel like I was like, all right, it seems like part of the job is talking about this shit. And I'd rather be informed because I, I, that's just me. I'd rather, I mean, yeah. believe me, I talk about a lot of stuff above my pay grade, but as much as possible, I try and do my homework. Um, but I feel like in doing that, I've gotten more sucked into the political thing and mm -hmm. then it becomes more like, you know, it, so I, I hope to one day, believe me, I, I like, I used to love the naked guns and just pure stupid shit. And right. I still hope to film more stuff. That's just pure fucking stupid. And a lot of my <laughs> comedies, pure stupid. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, I, I do think it is a problem that as you get more passionate about these topics, uh, it can definitely pull your focus away from funny. Yeah, it does. And I mean, in some ways I'm grateful for it because if it weren't for you guys, like if it weren't for the comedians that already had some sort of a platform that were willing to speak the truth in this environment, I don't know who would be doing it. I mean, like seriously, who, who else is out there telling the truth, like unpopular truths other than comedians right now? 
Uh, I mean, that's just my vibe as a, as a hardcore podcast fan, listener, hardcore comedy fan. I, I really feel like if it weren't for the comedy scene in America, like Joe Rogan's impact, obviously your guys's, and then uh, Tim Dillon, Jimmy Dore, other people, I just think we'd be fucking doomed. Like, I, I really believe that. I really believe that if it weren't for that small little niche product, like there would be almost no room for truth telling in America. And I know that sounds kind of blackpilled, but it really like, it's kind of true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say one of the things I think people really like about part of the problem, and I, I'm, I'm happy that we're able to um, extend this service to people is that they look at everything and nobody is verbalizing or sharing their point of view. And they listen to part of problem and go, Oh, I'm not crazy. Or, Oh, that was the feeling I was getting, but I didn't quite, I couldn't wrap my hand around it, but yeah, that that's, that's why, you know, sometimes like you can just look at a picture and it's off. And I guess someone who actually knows art can go, here's why it's off. And then you're like, Oh, I didn't see that. Um, and that comes more from Dave than it does for me, but you know, like any market, I guess it's nice to deliver a service that people actually like, like if you deliver a better pillow, God bless, that feels good. People can sleep on a better pillow. <laughs> Unless it's the my pillow guy, in which case we yeah. gotta put him in the gulag and deplatform him. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I, I mean that I think that's been the reason for my success uh as of late is that you know, my I, I obviously my show is called Liberty Lockdown. I started it during the first month of lockdowns. Um I had no interest in really going this path, but like as a libertarian for a long time, I just felt compelled to give a home to a voice that I wasn't hearing. I mean, even though Dave is obviously, and you are both great at talking about um, the, you know, criminality and the illegality of these lockdowns, I just felt like there needed to be as many voices out there screaming as, as hard and as ferociously as possible. And and sure enough, I think I had like probably 500 Twitter followers at the beginning of this year. And now I have over 7,000. Like, there you it's, go. It's crazy. You've, man. You've, you've doubled me. Give me the tip, dude. <laughs> Well, the tip is is deep anger towards what's happening. Uh, I think that that's been probably what has gotten most people to at least give my show a listen. Um, you know, my my listeners are nowhere near my my Twitter following, obviously, but um, definitely that's that's been the reason for the growth on Twitter is that I just hammer it day in and day out, and and it's my passion. You know, I, I really feel like it's the only thing that's keeping me sane is this outlet to just vent about how insane the world is. Are are you? Are you optimistic long term? I mean, obviously, we've talked a lot about reasons to be very concerned: the the debt apocalypse, the you know, the government fucking crushing us. Uh, is there? Are, are you an optimist, really? So, no. By nature, I'm a I'm a nervous Jew, and uh, I always <laughs> I'm I'm constantly thinking the world's gonna end. Uh, I work in sales, and so I've somewhat uh, adopted. Uh, the idea of having a positive mental attitude. And I also know, well, actually, I'll just say for me professionally to be walking around as the guy who thinks everything's going under, like it, 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 it's, it's not tough. who you, it's not who you want to be. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. no one wants to be around that guy. I still think you can kind of control your own fate and you got to just play the cards you're dealt, you know, do as best yeah. as you can. So um, the answer is I, I, Every time I sit down and I read real financial stuff that I'm interested in, um, I personally absorb that. And like the same way I think other people read stuff about global warming and they start to panic. And I like that stuff doesn't really affect me because I got a different take on it. Right. Or, you know, everyone's got the shit that they're afraid of. If I, I'm telling you when I read the financial stuff, it just strikes me as true. Yeah. And it makes me really fearful. Um, 
with that being said, sometimes I try not to read too much of it. So like, yeah. I'm not going and I'm not getting too crazy. I personally, I try and keep a positive mental attitude. I think, uh, Americans, we just, even though it might not feel like it right now, we got a fuck you spirit. And like, I think there's still a, a like a, a feeling for that. We're supposed to be free and mm-hmm. like, they're not going to totally take that away from us. Um, not, not and, without a fight. yeah. And, uh, and you, you look at science and you just look at the way that we're continuously able to develop stuff, you know, like on paper, everything should only get better as we, like, as we automate tasks and we just get better at solving health problems and food problems and how to get you more protein and how to make women better looking in their fucking fifties. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the big problems of the yeah, day, <laughs> we're solving this shit. Science is get, only getting better. And you look at what Steven Pinker wrote a great book, the better, better angels of our nature or something like that. And he talks about how violence has actually gone down in the world. Oh yeah. Um, and a lot of the reason why we're so fearful is that the media is just focusing on the negative. So the answer is I'm a nervous person. And when I read the financial topics, um, I'm really scared for how that plays out. Right. But I don't walk around. You don't want to be exhausting people all the time where they're sitting around trying to have a nice time. And you're like, don't you understand? It's all going to end. So like, and I'm also not that smart and disciplined myself. So I, you know, <laughs> well, like that, I got my bunker ready. That's, that's why I, I save, I reserve basically all of my political uh, ranting for either the show or my Twitter in, in real life, people would be stunned at how uh, happy party centric I am. I'm like, I don't talk about unless, you know, my friends, some of my friends, many of my friends are listeners of mine and, and they'll come up to me and they'll ask me for advice and things like that. And that's the only time that I'll actually bend someone's ears if they're requesting it. But other than that, I just try to, you know, I actually, I've gone the religious path myself with Buddhism and, and meditation because I was so crippled with anxiety from understanding the the house of cards nature that is our government that is our economic system that i was like i have to find some way to get the fuck out of my head and it helped tremendously and that's why i recommend to my my audience if you don't have a religious bent um if you don't have a an outlet that calms your mind uh you know either get into some sort of sport or group activity or or try and try and learn how to meditate because it changed my life it really did i'm also maybe i'm as much of a fool as anyone where it's like i'm one of the people in the know that it's coming and i'm not really making any arrangements for it whatsoever so <laughs> you, maybe you own, like, you i own don't some really Bitcoin, believe it so. I, I yeah i yeah but i thought i don't have any guns i don't have any property i don't have food stat like yeah I, I i guess the extent that i'm ready is i don't have my money in the stock market and i hope right. that chase bank will let me access it well well and you're shit. and you're ready in the sense that you have marketable skills i mean uh, yeah. that's that's a an area of of need that people downplay too much when it comes to like prepping it's like if you're if you you can have all the food stored up but if you don't have any fucking skills to earn money and we end up in some like dystopic hellscape for the next 20 years uh you're gonna be screwed so uh, that's that's the other thing I recommend to like really young poor people is that hey, if you don't have any money to invest in this environment based off the advice I'm giving, work on your skills. Work on a skill that you can actually have during the apocalypse, and um, if you have that, you'll probably be all right as long as you stay. Or you out might of be prison. taking it up the ass for free. You know, <laughs> all that fifty million dollar talk. You might just be showing up to some guy's farm and sipping it and going. And might- and by the way, there's going to be such supply of assholes. He's actually going to look at it and just go, "Not for me." No, that's not, that's not the asshole I'm looking for. Is there anything worse than getting raped than, than actually being the guy who he passes on raping? No, that's pretty bad. He's like, listen, go, go do some squats, take some showers, come back in a week. (laughs) You, you don't eat until you're in the shape that I feel like raping. Yeah, man, that's dark. 
Well, that's a good way to end it. Uh, it's been an hour. I, obviously, you have uh, Run Your Mouth podcast. Is there uh, your Robbie the Fire on Twitter? Is there any other social media? I, I only follow you there. No, nah, those, those are the places. Those are the things. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, it's been a blast having you on. Um, keep, keep fucking doing the good fight, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, I don't even have any clue how big part of the problem is, but it feels like there's a pretty good size audience, and, and I hope that, that Dave's compensating you well. You deserve it. <laughs> you're 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 a treasure <laughs> call dave and let him know that maybe you can negotiate some contracts for me <laughs> i'll tweet at him all right <laughs> all right beauty <laughs> all right man i'll talk to you soon big shout out to everybody that's been with me since jump street appreciate y'all world premiere Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening Scared Hollywood left these lyrical fappening A typo with Luke might bring the nooses We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcast sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Allowable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky Smooth Tom was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic to rip a 59 Miles to Ray showed that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping ain't rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show.